Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Derek Pando, Head of International Marketing, Partner Marketing, and Localization at Zoom. He discusses what made Zoom stand out among the competition and the importance of helping people have fun even though they're apart. He also tells an amazing story about being a scoutmaster in San Francisco. AJ had a good meeting and Vincent wears ear warmers. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. What? Well, who is Starista? You know who we are, but I will tell you again. Starista, we're an identity marketing company. We have our own business-to-consumer, business-to-business data. Customers utilize that data for email marketing purposes, customer acquisition. We also have our own DSP, so we can help with display. We can help with OTT, CTV. I just threw so many acronyms at you, but that's what we do. We can help you. Email me at vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am that we can help you. I just gave the world my email address. Another confidence that I have is in my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, he's my CEO. He is San Antonio's favorite son. Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. It's been uh, quite the week, but uh, all, all things considered, pretty good. Seems like I'm in a much warmer place than you are today, so I'm happy. It is. It is 14 degrees in New York City. Uh, when this comes out, hopefully it's going to be a little warmer. I doubt it, though. But 14 degrees, it's uh, – but my hair, I didn't put a hat on. My hair stayed nice. I actually put an ear warmer around my head for that reason. Is it vain? Probably. But, uh, yeah, I've been okay. I'm in a warm office. Uh, this episode is about warmth. I feel really great about this next guest. But uh, how was your week, AJ? Tell me about this, uh, this week. It didn't seem – you seemed like a little uh, – it was a rough one. We had our board meeting. I wouldn't call it a rough meeting. but uh, <laughs> They don't <laughs> listen board, to this podcast. Board meeting nonetheless. Yeah, I guess yeah. we can uh, figure it out if they do or not based on uh, this. Yeah, episode. based on this. It wasn't. A, I heard it was a great board meeting, yeah, you know, know because we good. had a great year. Uh, and so those meetings tend to go uh, yeah. pretty good. But no, you as should... you know, we've been working on some brand new products. So it's been a lot of uh, presentations. and uh, uh, But I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, if you hadn't caught me on a Friday afternoon, I could uh, shine my excitement through better. So. That's all right. I know. <laughs> me, I'm always like this. This yep. is, uh, it's, it's for people to, especially my wife, it uh, drives her nuts. My kids love it because they love the energy, but my wife and most of my coworkers are like, all right, I get it. You're happy. I am happy. I am especially happy about this next guest. I can't believe we got him. It is a company that you all, if you didn't know, a year ago, you certainly know now, ladies and gentlemen. It took 50 episodes, then he finally agreed to come on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We reached right out to him, and he was so gracious. I, I feel like I know this guy uh, for a long time just by talking to him. And we are utilizing the platform that this guy is part of the company of. 
it's Zoom, right? Who, two years ago, would it, Zoom meant something else maybe, right? But now Zoom is part of the vernacular. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited to welcome the head of international marketing, partner marketing, and localization. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek Pando. What's going on, Derek? Not much, Vincent, AJ. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here and be part of this and add, to, add some energy to my Friday afternoon. So uh, really, really excited to talk to you guys. Oh, we're so happy to have you, Derek. Thank you so much for doing this. And, and, and thank you for Zoom in general, right? I mean, I know you're marketing and, you, you, know, you, you know, it's like, oh, I created it myself. No, but Zoom has been, it's, it's, been, it's been so much part of the vernacular. I think, hey, let's have a Zoom call, a Zoom meeting, yeah. a Zoom happy hour. Those are my favorites. But Zoom has become like synonymous with, you know, uh, getting people together, getting people uh, meetings, school. We'll talk about all this. There's so much to talk about uh, on this. But Derek, I, I love your title. It is it is unlike any title I think I've read aloud. Uh, some titles now I read, it's like chief growth and growth this and this and demand generation. But I love your title. Tell us about your your role within the organization. Sure. Yeah. And my title might be a little bit of a reflection of the growth of Zoom over the last four years that I've been here because, uh, you know, I, I, I came in doing product marketing and then very quickly took over our international marketing and then uh, our partner marketing and now our localization. And so, I mean, I, I think the short of it is I spent a lot of time working with our different kinds of partners, uh, helping them expand their businesses and working together on joint initiatives as well as thinking about our marketing outside the U.S. and our key markets and expanding the use of Zoom and people know Zoom uh, and trust Zoom uh, in uh, non-North uh, American markets. And uh, Derek, I, I want to find out how you got into marketing first uh, as one of my questions. But before that, talk to me a little bit about the localization piece. Yeah. So, yeah, localization is, you know, uh, we operate in like 10, 10-ish languages. And so, you know, getting our content translated, having our website, having our materials, having our support documentation in the right languages and, and keeping track of that all and keeping it on, on brand and with the right voice across many different languages and cultures is uh, what my uh, localization team does. Nice. And, and marketing, right? Prod how did you get into marketing? We always like to ask that question here on the Marketing Stir because sometimes it's, I studied marketing and here I am, but other times it's like, <laughs> no. you know, I traveled, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and I realized marketing. I don't know. I probably inter what I, how I, how I came to it is not quite as interesting as Kilimanjaro, but probably half step <laughs> from the, I majored in marketing. Uh, I, uh, I majored in political science and I did a couple of internships uh, that were kind of in sales, marketing, kind of all around. And, and marketing just, it kind of spoke to me a little bit. I mean, I, I, I was drawn to it because one, I, I did sales one summer, uh, like 100%, uh, you know, uh, commission sales job. And I was like, that was really hard. I don't think I'm cut out for this. Uh, so that I, 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 look, I look more towards marketing. And part of my personality is like, I naturally evangelize the things I like. So I used to work at LinkedIn and I remember uh, I would tell people, Hey, do you have a LinkedIn profile? Let me teach you how to use it. And, and so when I ended up getting a job for them, I would tell people, I, 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 they're finally paying me, but I've been working for LinkedIn for like 10 years, uh, before I actually got the job. So I think, I think it's part of my personality. I really enjoy it. I really like evangelizing products I'm passionate about. So Derek, Zoom really took off during the pandemic and it became a household name. 
there, there's quite a few other uh, conferencing software and apps out there. So what do you think made Zoom really stand out from its competitors? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. When I, when I first found out about Zoom, a friend of mine, He's a well-known VC in Silicon Valley. He said, hey, Derek, check out Zoom. And I'm like, video conferencing, like that's boring. There's a thousand products. Like, why would I join a video conferencing company? But when I, um, you know, did my, my research on Zoom and started looking at the market overall, I realized a couple things. Like, one, yes, there was a lot of different uh, uh, products, but none of them were like beloved. You know, none of them were like people really loved using them. They were passionate about it. They created these, you know, customer evangelists. But then as I dug into Zoom, I realized Zoom had that. And I thought, here's a company, they're growing like crazy in a massive market that has a thousand different competitors. They must be doing something different. And I think you can boil it down to, it's easier to use, uh, it's, it's reliable. And uh, there was, we, you know, Zoom increased the amount of innovation in a space that had started to feel a little stagnant. You know, there wasn't a lot happening, whereas Zoom launched the virtual backgrounds and showing 49 people at a time. So I think that's that combined with us being at the right place at the right time with the right product is caused kind of our explosion under COVID and the pandemic. And what about the uh, marketing side in the uh, growth? Uh, what have you guys done that's been different from competitors there? Yeah, I, the, I think we've had a couple advantages. I mean, when you have... When you have a, a product that people naturally already love and is viral in nature, like Zoom is, right? You don't Zoom by yourself. You're going to Zoom with other people. Right. You, can, you can fuel the fire uh, so, so much more easily, you know? Um, and when you think of like before COVID, because there, it was such a crowded market, we were doing a lot of very traditional out-of-home advertising, buses, airport billboards, like unit radio ads. That, that's kind of strange for a tech company. But when you look at it, we could do that because one, our product was super viral. So we got a lot of bang for our buck, but two, we also had uh, a very strong freemium model so that if, you know, my mom passed by a zoom billboard at the airport, maybe she's not our typical like it decision maker that we're targeting, but she can sign up and use it and get value out of it and tell her, you know, her friends about it. And, and I think that helped us be in the right position uh, to grow uh, with a strong product, uh, and the virality of it. And then, and then of course, when that all intersected at the pandemic, you know, this is what happened. And Derek, it almost seemed like, you know, like you said there, that type of marketing, but you were initially a traditional B2B offering, right? Where meetings, but it's taken on a life of its own. There's consume, regular consumers, yeah utilizing zoom now to keep in touch with a family member to host a birthday party a holiday how did you have to pivot there marketing wise <laughs> well I, I think the first thing we had to pivot to was we had to educate you know tens of millions of people about how to use zoom <laughs> right like so when when the pandemic hit and ev everything was just insane for us we actually turned off most of our marketing channels from in a traditional sense and what we did is we switched a lot of those people into creating how-to videos. You know, like I, I had our events marketing uh, lead uh, in the height of the kind of the frenzy around the pandemic and, and, and our usage. She was making how-to videos like five a day and getting people to do them in other languages because all of a sudden we needed to make sure people knew how to use our product and knew how to use it safely. And because 
a lot of times uh, before it was people had IT departments and they were used to this kind of software and they know they knew how to set it up and they knew how to how to use it appropriately. But with the, when the consumer use case just exploded, we really had to like stop everything and focus on that. Well, not only that, but I think Zoom, did you ever uh, think that you would get into the um, child education business? Because uh, I know you were probably in the uh, online space as far as yeah. uh, continuing education and, and at the college level, but did you think that you would be so synonymous with helping education? Uh, uh, no, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, well, especially on the K through 12. Now, we were, we've, we've been very popular the last few years in higher education. Some of the world's most well-recognized and largest universities used us, had been using us prior to COVID. A lot of times it was for hybrid class environments, you know, virtual office hours. Sometimes it was pure 100% virtual classes. So universities were actually relatively well-prepared to switch all virtual. I talked to the dean of the, the business school where I went to grad school and she was like, yeah, it actually worked out pretty easy. Now, K through 12, bless the hearts of every K through 12 teacher that has had to go virtual overnight. And that is absolutely a part of our business that, you know, we had dabbled in a little bit and, you know, there were, there were use cases, but, you know, if you look just generally at the country, it was not common at all for any K through 12 school to be virtual, you know? And so um, I think our, the familiarity in higher education also drove a lot of the adoption in K through 12 uh, as schools have had to adapt. And then in terms of kind of uh, uh, your own role in international marketing, uh, what's the strategy there? Do you have uh, folks on the ground in different yeah. countries or is it being handled centrally from the U.S.? Yeah. So, you know, initially, yeah, it was just I, I was kind of the first guy. And um, what we would do is I would help uh, extend uh, programs more globally and uh, start to work on more kind of regional level initiatives. But uh, even before the pandemic, we started the process of we, we needed marketers in the ground with that deep expertise. And so, you know, field marketing uh, sits under me. And that's kind of traditionally like a B2B software company. You'll see where that's kind of the first the first man or woman on the ground. And they're really kind of attending the local events, working with the local sales team. And so that's where we usually start in a market we're in. And then we also, uh, as we've grown, we've started to add more, you know, uh, like H, what would be an HQ-based resource in the region for speed and local adaptation and local knowledge. Um, so yeah, definitely growing our teams a lot internationally and, and being kind of more as, as tailored and as localized as we can. And are there uh, specific countries or regions that you're focusing on? Yes, yeah, we, we have kind of our, uh, you know, top, uh, top regions, uh, it, you know, like a lot of uh, US companies, when we first started going internationally, we focused on other large English speaking markets like the UK and Australia. I think there's kind of a, a group of, of countries where, uh, you know, large GDPs, you know, uh, uh, highly, you know, skilled workforce, uh, have big needs for technology and and that's where we started but then also we looked at where our organic growth you know was right like where did where where were we say because of the, the way our product is structured we could look and see okay like what's our growth rate in a place like vietnam and make business decisions based off of uh, where we're seeing uh, people wanting to use our products uh, Derek, are are you? Is a silly question, but are you still marketing? Do you have to market? Right? There's certain there's certain companies like yeah, everyone has to market, right? But there's certain companies out there where uh, 
you know, you, you think they don't have to market. It's like, why is Coca-Cola marketing? Why is <laughs> Apple marketing? Right? Right. But Zoom, are you still, tell me about some of your marketing initiatives. Sure. Is it still a lot of the B2B stuff? Are, have yeah. you shifted focus now even to marketing business to consumer as well? What has that been looking like? What are some of the channels you use yes. uh, given this is the marketing stir? People love the nitty gritty. Okay, sure. Yeah. So the, um, you know, working at a company that's going through what we experienced is basically like working at a new company every two months, right? Like, like we could, we have, we can't have a quarter go by where, where we're not changing, adjusting, tweaking our strategy. And, and yes, at, at, at the height of the pandemic, we were not thinking, gosh, we, we hope people know who Zoom is. It was just taking a life of its own and any money we put behind it was not going to grow as fast as it was just going organically, Right. Um, but what has shifted when you go through this as a brand is you know, people now know us for something and we have to reevaluate, is that what we want to be known for, right? And, and I think for, for us, some people know us for something very specific, but we feel like we have more to offer, right? So like, let's say, hey, I use Zoom to do happy hour with my friends. That's great. But we also want you to know that we have Zoom phone, which is a cloud-based phone product. So you can combine, you know, phones with everyone working from home along with your video meetings. And then when you go back to the office, we want you to know that like Vincent, where you're sitting in your office, you can turn that into a video enabled, what's called a zoom room. Right. And so that's where our, our, our shifts have happened across many different channels, you know, whether that be out of home or digital or, or messaging um, is making sure that people know what we want to be known for and know what else we have to offer so that, you know, people aren't just like, oh, that they're just for that one thing that we, we, we want them to know who we really are and where we're going. What you're saying there, you're right, because Zoom, I think of Zoom for a variety of different reasons, right? I think of Zoom business meetings, right? That makes sense. I also think of you happy hours, which yeah. is amazing because you didn't, I didn't really do that with my friends prior. I didn't really do, I did happy hours with a few of them, but not that many at once. But I also think about the conferences, the, those features, our summit, we yeah. use some amazing features using Zoom where you could break people off into different rooms. Yep. I, and, then, and then I want to get into how I feel like I know you guys because I see your CEO all over the place <laughs> first. But uh, talk to me about what were some new features yeah. that you had to create this last year? Are backgrounds new? Is Gridview new? Talk to me about it. No, I, I think I think one of the uh, the, the consumer use cases uh, created a lot of uh, new interest in uh, adding <laughs> filters. Like you know, we saw this demand for sort of like consumer level filters, so that when you have a happy hour, you can say, "Hey, let's have it be uh, French, French, French themed, yeah, yeah French themed happy hour or whatever it may be." So that was some things that we launched. Uh, to adapt to the consumer use case because, and, and even some people questioned us, like, why are you doing this? And we're like, this is what people need. You know, like they need yeah. to laugh. They need to, they need to have fun together. And, and we've been working on the business stuff for a long time. So we're going to, you know, uh, have, have some fun filters. The other uh, thing that kind of came to mind is we actually ended up launching a whole new product called on zoom. And basically this is designed for people that are having events, you know, like I'm teaching a class or I'm, doing a, you know, uh, a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, and because we've seen, you know, such a shift to virtual events, but then, you know, our people are using Zoom, but then they're saying, Derek, like, I want to be able to do registration. I want to be able to have, take payment and have a paid class, you know, oh, virtually. Wow. 
And so we spun out a whole new product uh, that's, that's live and is in beta right now called OnZoom to kind of address that. And then I think the last thing that we did, not last thing, but another thing that we did kind of in the thick of it was we changed how our security features were accessed because we all of a sudden everyone needed to uh, have that front and center and just drop dead simple because not everyone had an IT department to say, this is how you set it up. And so when you host a meeting, you now have a little shield at the bottom that lets you put a waiting room, you know, uh, kick people out of meetings, uh, limit who shares their screen, you know, a lot of security features that were already there, but we had to make them even easier for consumers to, to use them. Yeah, mute somebody if they like, all right, they're saying, yeah. talking, we do that sometimes in mute our all. meetings, yep. Yeah, the mute all button is very popular with K through 12 teachers. Uh, <laughs> just, boom. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, my, my son was in virtual school for maybe three months uh, last year. Luckily, he's back to regular school now, but uh, I felt pretty bad for the teacher. He's in second grade, and it was, uh, I, I don't know how they do it. Um, yes. I mean, they're, they're, they're the real, I think, heroes and innovators of the pandemic. And, yep. uh, you know, my mom's a teacher, and she retired uh, like two years ago. And, and, you know, knowing how challenging that would have been for her, uh, it in seeing you know my my son was in preschool in a virtual preschool for a little bit it it, it definitely <laughs> takes a lot of work so tip our hat to all the teachers out there that may be listening or have loved ones who are teachers yeah absolutely uh and, and then derek has there been kind of once you guys really started taking off during the pandemic did you have to hire a lot of people were there a suddenly number of uh, yeah. hires being made yeah ab absolutely we um you know we, 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 even before the pandemic, we kind of prided ourselves as like a nimble, um, a nimble company. And it was clear that what was happening was going to accelerate our business years into the future. And so like, I don't know if there's a team at Zoom that, has, that did not start immediately hiring like crazy. Um, my team has grown a whole lot as we are, you know, entering new markets, having, you know, different kinds of uh, opportunities and, and challenges and you know, we're, we're fortunate in that way and that, you know, we're one of the companies that, that uh, was able to kind of grow and, and hire and it, it's actually being able to offer some people jobs that had been unemployed uh, during, um, you know, during the pandemic has been such like a bright spot for me personally as like a manager and like as a, as a, as a leader. Uh, so, you know, we're grateful for that. We're still hiring. Check out our career page. Uh, lots of work to be done at Zoom. Yeah. Uh, what's been a personal highlight for you during your time at zoom oh i don't yeah that's that, that's a tough one i I've, I've had some really uh high high highs you know um i think when uh snl did all of snl on zoom i just I don't know. I think as a marketer, it's like, that's your dream. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, you know, and, and they didn't ask us, they just did it. And, and I just sat back and like watched the skits and just, I didn't even know how to feel, man. It was like, it was like, <laughs> like, like work Christmas morning. I, I don't, I don't it, it, it was, it was incredible. You know, uh, th those were and Hamilton cast did something and like, it, there were so many of those moments that kept us going and kept us motivated as things got difficult. Um, but yeah, the SNL one does stick out in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. You forget about that. That's like, that's like the closest thing to like getting a parody of, of yourself. Yeah. Right. I, I hear people say that where they're like, you know, <laughs> how do you feel that so-and-so made fun of you or is doing you as a character? That would be like the ultimate. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we yeah. did. We did watch it a little like, 
uh, like what are they gonna, you know what are they gonna you, say what but, are they gonna say about you yeah. it's going out to all these people but, but we're pretty we're we're pretty uh uh, roll with it kind of company. So even the, even the little jabs, we, we all had a good laugh and we can, we can roll. So, yeah. Well, you know, that's what I wanted to talk about. I touched upon earlier. It's like, I feel like I know your CEO cause I see him all over the news. Tell me about him. I like the mission statement. I love that. Yeah. There's a lot of nonprofit work you guys are doing. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I, you know, Eric, our CEO, he was, he was one of the reasons I was drawn to zoom in the first place. When I, when I did my research on zoom four years ago, I was like, okay, he is the opposite of a Silicon Valley bro. You know, he was later in his career when he decided to create zoom, uh, you know, family man, uh, Chinese immigrant to the U S really kind of like the boot bootstrap, uh, you know, pull yourself up and, and make it make, you know, live the American dream. Uh, but also he's, he's extremely customer obsessed and he's, and he's humble. Like I, I always make a joke that like, you can't get out of an elevator before Eric, because he'll just like, no, no, go ahead, you know, go ahead. And, and I, I really appreciate that about him, especially in his position where, you know, very successful and has built such an incredible company. Um, he has, in my opinion, when I see him, he hasn't lost sight of that. Yeah, no, you could tell you see him on different news programs and you're like, okay, it's, it's happening. This is happening to good people. And you, you see a lot of, we've had so many people on the pen uh, on, on the podcast, excuse me, where during the pandemic, you had people whose businesses uh, didn't do well. You had others yeah. that uh, have yeah. gone through this change and, and they're almost in some ways, they're like embarrassed to say it, right? AJ on the podcast, you're like, oh, it's, you know, I was like, well, why? Because you're solving a solution. There's one, yeah. one company where you could drop off your they'll come and they'll take your dry cleaning and they'll make it easier for you they'll take your laundry and they'll deliver it back or there's other companies like that but zoom is one of them where good you don't it solved the problem it solved the solution you know and the first thing i think is zoom is what they did in the education space is making it available there it's uh so so great I, i i i love hearing that but what do you think really when it comes down to it, what, what are you guys most proud of? You said a shining moment, but where you're like, oh, it was great to see you said this SNL, but was it education? Was it, yeah. uh, what, you know, what was it? Someone in the medical field that yeah. you saw? A, a couple of things come to mind. Like one is education. It, early, early on in the pandemic, we said, okay, we're going to have a program for K through 12 schools to be able to leverage them for free, right? So we launched that over 125,000 K through 12 schools are using Zoom for free, right? Wow. So that, uh, that, that helped us, you know, uh, feel good. It felt like we were doing our part to, um, uh, um, you know, help, help the schools in this challenging time, right? The, I think the second thing that I think I'm most proud of, and, and this, isn't, this isn't me, but I'm just proud of our teams that built this thing to work on such a scale. I mean, to, to put it in perspective, December of last year or of, of 2019, the most daily meeting participants we had had was 10 million, right? Then by April, uh, so like four and a half months later, it was 300 million daily meeting participants. So we're talking in four months, we went 30x. And I know there were a lot of people out there thinking, how could they scale? They're going to break, they're going to break, they're going to break. And, you know, uh, by and large, our infrastructure has delivered. And, and I'm proud that it's delivered when people needed it the most, you know, like we went overnight to becoming like 
you know, like electricity, right? you know, your, your gas, like if, if that goes out, it, it has such a massive impact on your life and your quality of life that I'm proud of, you know, our internal teams that manage that and our product leaders that built it that way. And Eric, who had a vision to build a product that would be able to scale on a dime. And so that's what I think I'm, I'm most proud of. Uh, one, one thing that Eric kept saying to us in the height of the pandemic, when things were hard, some people were starting to criticize us or, or uh, you know, question us. And then also we've been working around the clock. So we were, you know, tired is he said, hey, when we look back on this, we will be, pl- we'll be proud about how we operated. And that's, that's our North Star. That's how we're going to run this business in this unprecedented time. And I think all of us as employees, that's what we, that's what we cling to, you know, uh, and, and what kept us going when, when, things were, when things were, you know, challenging. Nick, it's interesting now that uh, because of the pandemic, we all get on these uh, video calls, right? Uh, whereas in the past, a lot of times you wouldn't see these clients and you would have a conference call, but no one would even think about the video portion of it. But now it's kind of like, if you're the guy that doesn't have the camera turned on, you're the odd one out. (laughs) So what's kind of your thought as people get back into the office, as uh, uh, things normalize, do you see people still having their video on because we have gotten so used to it in the last year? Or do you think it going back to how things used to be? Yeah, well, I, I think you got to go back to, I think I have some hypotheses on what the root cause was, why, why people didn't turn on their videos. I think one is they had had a lot of bad experiences and they didn't trust that it was going to work, it was going to be seamless and that they would look good. Also, if you, over time, not every computer had a camera built into it, uh, you know, years and years ago, but now like just cameras are, are everywhere. And, and then the third thing is, I think during the pandemic, people are craving, like they want to see you. They want to they have a next level of emotional connection that you get over video that you're just not going to get by being on a call, you know, with 10 people. They want to see you and talk to you and say, oh, like you're, you're looking great or like, what's, you know, is that your family in the background? And, um, but I think as we go back to the office, you know, there will be a new normal, but it, it is, it's been very clear to us that, that the behaviors have changed permanently, right? Whether that be people, there's more people working remotely and, and, and they'll stay, some people will stay working remotely. And then when you're in the office, because now you, even if you're in the office, you've got more people working remotely, you're gonna need your facilities empowered and ready to, for that hybrid environment, you know, where it's, hey, let's bring in a couple people uh, that, aren't, that are not at the office virtually. And then also because people, um, I think as we go back, it's not like there are people in higher risk categories. There's people who like working remotely that have gotten used to it. And so it, it, I, don't, I don't imagine a world where one, there's one day where the pandemic ends and everyone runs back in. And then two, do people, not everyone's going to want to or need to or, or want to do that for their business. And so I, I think that's the world that we envision for the future. It's a hybrid world where go to the office. That's amazing. And if you don't want to take, take the, you know, take it from home or take it during your commute or, you know, connect in, in all the variety of ways. We just want to make, we want to give people the, the, the choices so that they can do it, whatever works best for them. And Derek, what's kind of a uh, marketing pet peeve of yours? We always like to ask this. <laughs> I, uh, okay, I've got a, I've got a couple, I've got a couple of How these. How much time I, do you have? Right? Yeah, I got, I got. I, 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 I think this is Derek good. was waiting for this one. I love it. This is, this is, question this is good. Day. This is good. I, I, one of my parking, one of my pet peeves for marketing, 
is rebrands, just generally, right? I think people rebrand their companies to solve a problem that their brand will never solve, you know? And I think it can be exciting and it can be sexy and you can, you can make it look really slick. But sometimes I see these companies rebrand at times where I'm like, that is not your biggest <laughs> challenge, you know? So I'd say that's probably my number one overall uh, marketing uh, pet peeve. Zerk, should we ask you to name names here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no I, I won't. I won't name names. But um, yeah, I mean, I've been at companies where they do a major rebrand and it takes a massive amount of, re I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, you, you got to change, you know, everything and the website and the email headers and every image on, you know, everywhere. And um, I, I just think, I think there's a, I think there's a time and place for it, but it's not as often as it happens in my opinion. Uh, let's stay on the pet peeve thing for a second, uh, Derek. I, we, uh, the, we like to get to the nitty gritty of the pet peeves thing, but especially LinkedIn, right? You had mentioned you, you had uh, worked at LinkedIn, but we asked this of all of our guests because okay. of your title, right? Because of the company you're at, you probably get so many unsolicited LinkedIn messages. Mm -hmm. What is a message that you just hate you never respond to. And on the flip side of that, what's a message that Derek says, okay, I will get back to you. Let's connect. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think there's, uh, for, for me, it's all about relevance. And, and I, I taught this, I have a, a course that I did on social selling on teaching salespeople how to use LinkedIn. And, and that, that's what I focused on relevance. I think, I think one of my pet peeves is when people take like the tiniest baby step towards relevance as possible. And they send you an invite that's like, hey, Derek, you're also in the technology industry. We should connect. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, you know, I'm not a doctor. That's great. You know, yeah. like, you know, you know that like, I'm not a lawyer. That's great, but not relevant yet. You know, like, keep going, you know, like, keep like, make, make it more. But the kind that I do respond, I'm a sucker for students. If students reach out to me and it's personalized and they say, Same. I'm, I'm studying this, like I want to learn, like, can you give me advice? Like, I, I love, I love to, to make time for students. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to relevance. You know, like if you create something that is super thoughtful and tailored and clear, you've done your homework and it hits something that I'm interested in or could be interested in, or you piqued my interest in, then I respond, you know, um, but that, that would be my advice for, for people out there in that situation. Yeah, no, I like that. It's like, Hey, do you also like sunsets? Do you also <laughs> yeah. like, are, are you, Hey, I too have brown hair. Let's connect. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what? really? Yeah. This is LinkedIn. What are you, what are you talking about? That's uh, that's funny. I like that. Derek, the, you mentioned some features, right? Now yeah. we're, in, we're into 2021. You know, what are some of the new things you touched upon? A few as far as being able to like, gated charging, making, a, you know, turning it into a business, which is great. What are some other features that you're excited about that you could reveal to marketing and sales folks alike who are listening to this podcast? Yeah, I, I think one thing that, that uh, we recently announced, which is really awesome, is it's called High Fidelity Audio. Um, and basically situations like podcasts or music classes or, you know, virtual choirs, there was, um, you know, kind of overnight a demand for, hey, we need, we need audio that is, that is optimized for, you know, clarity and depth and recording. 
and and so we made that we made that change uh, to to kind of help people expand into all those other use cases that yeah like you were not giving piano lessons before <laughs> over Zoom or there's probably there's probably some teacher out there that that was but it wasn't it wasn't common so that that's one thing that uh, I'm pretty excited about. That's awesome. Is that a feature that's uh, available currently? Yeah. Do, do we have it on this Zoom that we're doing or no? We need it. You I hear have that? To look, you hear I that, producers? To, <laughs> we know a guy I, over there. <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to, it is, yeah, it is available now. I'd, I'd have to look to see uh, or how you set up this meeting, if that's what it is. But you, you sound great, Vincent and AJ. So maybe, maybe <laughs> we, maybe we are, maybe sing a little bit and we can tell you. It's great audio as is, but if we want better, why not? So yes, oh, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, AJ. So, you know, coming back to the marketing side of things, uh, what are some of the tools that uh, you guys use internally or that you like to use uh, for marketing? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, we, we run a pretty traditional kind of B2B marketing stack, right? So uh, from our CRM to, to marketing automation to, uh, you know, different, different uh, digital platforms that help us get in front of the audiences. That we that we want to, um, I think as as we've expanded, you know that's evolved, and we and we we have a real focus on trying to get as as targeted uh, and as relevant as possible. You know, when early on in your business, like you can, you know, send an email across twenty different countries, and it's the same email, and maybe you just translate it. Whereas now we want to like you know adapt it for that for that region and have content that's relevant and the people in there look like they're from that region and 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 so that's that's been an evolution that has definitely influenced like our tech stack like getting into you know a translation management system that allows us to uh you know be consistent across all of our different languages was you know something that we we inv we've invested in um so yeah those are a couple of things that come to mind are they kind of specific uh, marketing channels that you guys like to use, especially when it comes to acquiring new customers? Yeah, I mean, we, because we're, a, you know, a B2B to C business, we're lucky in that we have a lot of our, um, a lot of the way that we acquire new customers comes back to the virality and people being exposed and starting to use Zoom and thinking for free in order for our free product and then getting to the stage where, um, uh, they're they're ready to you know go to a pro license or or get a license for their business you know like when i worked at linkedin we had kind of a similar experience where you know you have your free linkedin profile but linkedin has such a variety of different products that are built on top of it for recruiters for salespeople, for marketers and so when when you have a business like a business model the last two companies i've worked at have had that business model and it's really it, i think it's a it can be a massive advantage because you can be very data driven and you can see, okay, when, when the, we see these behaviors, we know that we have a higher likelihood. So uh, this is what they need, or this is when we should reach out. Um, and, and, that, and, and, you, and when you already have them in a product, you can reach out to them over email. You can reach out to them in product messaging or notification or prompts or you know, upgrade uh, indicators or you, know, you, you create some sort of paywall and hit it. So I think for businesses that are able to create some sort of free, um, uh, free experience that, that creates um, uh, people getting exposed to the product, but also gives you opportunities to be relevant to them as a marketer is like a, as a marketer's dream. And I've really enjoyed working for companies like that. 
Derek, did you did you guys do your own Zoom happy hours? Like, do you recommend <laughs> any cool uh, cool games that like people or customers have gotten back to you and said, "Hey, we 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 do this." May I? Uh, I'll tell you what I did first. Yeah, so okay, one of my okay. friends, we did a Zoom happy hour, and he turned it into a Jeopardy game where we did kind yeah. of jeopardy over it where we had like different categories and one of the categories to make fun of me was like vin sucks and all these like categories <laughs> about me where you know name one of vin's jokes and it was just it was just fun and that's one that we did together but tell me more about some of the stories that you you've heard from people yeah, yeah i um i think one of the one of the most fun ones i've experienced was there's this uh chocolate company in San Francisco, they do virtual chocolate tasting. So they mail you uh, a little package, you know, you sign up for it and, you know, there's a cost to it, of course. Um, but they mail everyone that's participating a little package with different chocolates. You get on a Zoom call, you have a chocolate sommelier or connoisseur or whatever, or whatever you know, whatever they're called. And um, they say, hey, this is, this bar is from Colombia and it's got, you know, nodes of peach and here's how they made it. And and I thought that was really awesome. And also, I'm, I have a huge sweet tooth. So that, that one really spoke to me. I just got an invite for uh, with some friends for a, a, a post-Valentine's Day newlywed game over Zoom. Oh, um, nice. So this, this is actually one of the things I've just loved about being at Zoom at this time is like, we just get, you know, we're not the ones driving, we're not the ones saying, hey, chocolate people, like you should think about doing this. They, people have just been innovative and they've looked at their businesses and looked at what's in front of them and uh, and we're fortunate that Zoom has been part of that story and that we've been been easy enough to use that people will launch into these new businesses and, and ways of doing things. And, and so uh, we've just been so impressed by the innovation uh, on, on, you know, the chocolate tasting and the Jeopardy nights. And, uh, you know, I've had people had mentalists join and comedians and singers like it's it's all sorts of stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, we've done uh, my, myself. I've done some stand-up comedy shows. I also was hired to build a gingerbread house with another comedian and just make fun of it. I don't nice. know. And uh, we had our first summit that we did, as I mentioned before, AJ and, and the marketing team came up with this idea to do a summit where a client summit where normally we wouldn't always do that in the past to get all these clients together and we brought in guests some of them were, were podcast guests and you know hint hint we'd love to maybe have you at one of them in the future <laughs> Derek but we've had some of our podcast guests from CMO of Regal Cinemas and CMO of Pearl Vision two different businesses affected in different ways right but yeah. Zoom made that possible and and it's it was so actually our uh, coolest yeah. guest was uh uh, Mick Foley. So I don't yeah, know Mick Foley. Remember Mankind, wrestling. the wrestler? Uh, mankind. So uh, I, I'm not. He kind of had the mask yet. over his face. Uh, okay. He he. he uh, you know, we got him to you know zoom bomb our show. Yeah. Oh, our, nice. our, our, no, our, that's uh, awesome. Thing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to stay kind of on the you know the personal side. We talked a lot about that. Let's go yeah. into the personal side of this. I we we have a crack research team here, Derek. So tell me about. <laughs> your Boy Scout Scoutmaster days and what, uh, yeah. what that was like and what you, uh, what is some of that great knowledge you can impart on us and our viewers for that? Sure. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I grew up doing scouting too. I grew up in Texas uh, and I'm an Eagle Scout. So I, I, I went the distance, man. I, I was all in uh, and I, I had a really good experience and that kind of helped fuel like knowledge for the outdoors. And so when I moved to San Francisco, part of my 
the, the church I attended had a boy, uh, there was a, a boy scout troop that was affiliated, uh, that they asked, and I was single at the time they asked that I, you know, be an assistant scout master. So I got to do that and, you know, take a, take a bunch of young, you know, young kids from San Francisco, uh, uh, camping and teach them. But I think a couple of skills that really stuck with me, I think some of the basic first aid skills. And, and actually when I lived in San Francisco, we stepped off a, I stepped off a Muni uh, and uh, I saw a girl get hit by a car, uh, you know, it was a, and so I ran over there and it, and it was crazy. The first thing that they teach you is like, don't move someone who's just been, you know, hit. Then I remember that from Boy Scouts. And it was funny because the first thing, the lady that hit the girl pops out of her car and starts trying to drag her off the street. And I'm like, and I basically stopped her. And I was like, leave, like, you know, leave her, like call, you know, we're calling 911, you know, we're checking on her, but like, don't, don't touch her. So that, that's a, that's a Boy Scout skill. And I've got a few other stories like that where, you know, some knots came in handy to tie for a pinata, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> the old square uh, knot, right? I remember the square knot. I was a Boy yeah. Scout for like a, a few days. I was like, outdoors, I'm not that cracked. Uh, I'm not an outdoorsy kind of guy, as uh, AJ will probably tell you. But I love the rituals and all everything that you guys learn and what it stands for, especially the Eagle Scout. Yeah. And then now I, now I kind of take those skills and I take my kids camping. So I've got three kids, five, three and uh, eight months. Uh, ah. So Vin Vincent and I are kind of in a little bit of the same yeah. stage of life. I also got up early this morning. Um, but I think one thing, if I have a tip for parents and camping, it would be you do a dry run in the backyard before you do the real deal. Because I, the, the way it works in my house is I tell the kids, like, you don't get to go camping till you can sleep the whole night by yourself in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> so we literally did like with my, my three-year-old last year, we literally did a dry run in our backyard. And then we went camping several times over the summer and it was a ton of fun. That's awesome. I knew you loved camping. I know we were going to exchange, uh, we were going to barter some of our, our services, maybe some stand-up comedy uh, yeah, tips for yeah, which you right. love and you already attempted and, and the, the camping because I know, yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a, a nine month old now. So we're in the same boat and a three-year-old. So uh, he's going to start asking about camping. I don't know where I could test it out in a backyard here in New York city. That could be <laughs> dangerous. He's like, see yeah. that guy's camping dad. I'm like, Oh no, he's not camping son. <laughs> Um, but that's a, a you know, crazy longer story. story. Yeah, all the story <laughs> for another day. But you know, Derek, and what about uh, you know, for you know, for fun you, with the kids, that keeps a lot of your time. Some yeah. shows you're watching, movies, books. What can you share with the audience there on the personal side? Well, so my my wife and I, we are we have this incredible talent, and that talent is is that we will take something from pop culture and ignore it for two to three years. <laughs> then then we will be all in, and we'll just be like have you guys seen Hamilton? Like, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, like, uh, so we, we, uh, in the pandemic, we got into stranger things, you know, again, late to the party yeah. and we're almost done with Shit's Creek. So, uh, Amazing. yeah, clear, yeah. clearly, clearly we are late bloomers on the pop culture front. Yeah. Well, that's what, three kids will do to you. I, it's that's fair, really fair. what it comes down to. Yeah. AJ's just getting into some of those. Uh, I actually just finished Shit's Creek myself a couple of weeks ago. So nice. Shit's Creek. Yeah. I just finished Cobra Kai the other day. Cause all my friends were like, Oh my God. Oh, I'm like, man, I was like, I got to get off this thread because you're going to ruin it for me. And yeah. it's, that's another one too. If you're, or if you grew up around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Cobra Kai is fantastic. And 
it's uh, there's so many great ones out there. You know, but that's the same thing. I haven't even seen Stranger Things yet because there's so many, so much yeah. great content out there. You almost feel like uh, you have to jump on it until people will ruin it for you. But that's what you have three kids. I have two. AJ has two. That's what, what happens. Yeah. Yeah, kids sure. amazing anyway <laughs> derek th this has been so awesome you know this we're already at the end of it we could talk for hours uh we appreciate you sharing your story with us we appreciate it. zoom uh, keep up keep up the great work it's it's like i said part of the vernacular uh sometimes if people aren't even using zoom they say zoom i'm like no go out and get actual <laughs> That's what you need to do. Derek, we appreciate your time. Uh, this has been awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Derek Pando, the head of international marketing, partner marketing, and localization. I am Vincent Petrofessa. That is AJ Gupta. This is another episode of The Marketing Stirred. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.